Hello, and welcome to The New Normal. In this podcast, we will reflect about the early days of the AIDS epidemic, life as a journalist, and equality from a LGBTQ perspective. Joining us is special guest and industry veteran journalist, Kevin Gale. He was previously the South Florida Business and Wealth Magazine editor at Lifestyle Media Group. Before that, he was business editor of the South Florida Business Journal, and and prior to that, he was the business editor of the Sun Sentinel. He's originally from Illinois and graduated from Northwestern University. Kevin lives in Wilden Manors on the Middle River with his partner of 38 years and spends a lot of time trying to keep iguanas from eating his landscaping. Thank you for listening along. Hey everybody, it's Lenny and Andrea on the new abnormal. We kept calling it the new normal, but the truth is we're not normal. And normal, is, I've always said normal's overrated. Overrated, so this is the new abnormal with our special guest today, Mr. Kevin Gale uh, from the gardens of Wilton Manors, the beautiful gardens on the water in Wilton Manor. Kevin, welcome aboard. Thanks, Lenny. It's, uh, it's great to see you. I've, I've known Kevin for, um, a doggone long time, like a really long time. And, you you uh, were the little drummer boy when I first met you. I was actually the little, now I'm the big drummer boy. And uh, Kevin, Kevin has a storied career uh, in journalism and media and newspapers and magazines. And uh, as part of our podcast, we like to speak uh, with friends of ours who have interesting careers and interesting stories to share. And I know you're going to have some good ones to share with us today. Um, so I'm going to sort of just open it up. Like what's on your mind, Kevin? Well, like everybody else, I think the pandemic, um, I think it's very distressful what we're going through, especially when I think a lot of what we're seeing could have been avoided. Uh, we've had poor leadership from the president, uh, poor leadership from the government, government, (laughs) I know Andrea's. You're, you're shocked, right, Andrea? I'm absolutely shocked. Poor leadership. Where's your MAGA hat, by the way? You don't have your Ooh. MAGA hat on today. Ooh. Oh, I think I burned it. Ooh. Uh-oh. With, with her bra. She's a girl from the 60s, you know. Ooh. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> well, what do they say about so, poor uh, leadership, Kevin? Poor leadership equals? Death. Can't, I put that on a post the other day. Um, you know, to politicize the wearing of masks is the height of ridiculousness. <laughs> uh, it's just incredible to me. Um, and I, you know, I keep hearing things. Uh, my partner was just with his doctor, who is an infectious disease specialist today. He was up in the Panhandle recently, was in a public store. All the workers were wearing masks. He didn't see a single person shopping wearing a mask. Oh. Yeah. Wow. And, and you know, when, when you hear that, and, you know, I've said this on the, on the podcast before, Florida spelled F-L-O-R-I-D-U-H. And we do have the, the reputation for the, we put the duh in Florida. And it's a shame because... I don't know. It's nothing to really be proud of. We're number one, right, in COVID cases in the United States right now, breaking records. What the heck? 
Yeah, it's very, very distressing. Uh, I think there was a bit of arrogance. Uh, well, probably more than a bit. Um, people get fatigued with this sort of thing. Um, as, as somebody who was, is gay and went through the AIDS epidemic and saw a lot of people die, um, you know, after a while, people didn't want to wear condoms. And there's a parallel to me between condoms and masks. You know, they can both save your life. Um, yeah, you know, maybe things aren't so great when you have to use either one of these things, but, uh, you know, use some judgment. Well, can you actually use a condom over your head? And, and maybe that's what you should be <laughs> setting up for the panhandle. Well, I think that's another podcast. We could just go into that, you know, for a half hour. <laughs> you know, it's weird that you bring that up, Kevin, because, you know, you remember when, right? So you remember when the space shuttle uh, blew up. You remember when Kennedy, if you're old enough, remember when Kennedy was killed. Um, yes. I remember my first hearing about AIDS and uh, my best friend from high school, um, Jim Partridge, was standing in front of the hamlet, Coconut Grove. He, uh, he and his partner had actually bought that bar, uh, or actually they bought the restaurant next door. And he was explaining to, to my wife and I at the time uh, that, that there's this new disease going around. And his partner, who was really very active in the, in the yeah, community, was one of the first like really well-known uh, deaths down here in South Florida. And that was, you know, that was 1980. And um, it was, like you just hear these things you remember so so you know so you so i don't know what do you remember like when you first were aware of aids happening i mean that's an interesting sort of retrospective yeah that would have been probably around 82 uh i had just gotten with my partner who i'm still with all these years later wow, God bless you. and uh so i i consider it somewhat miraculous that i didn't get infected uh, because it was a death sentence back then. There was, there was no, no good treatments, no cure. Um, we still don't have a, a cure. We have a very good treatments. I, I had a doctor tell me once, you're better off being HIV positive than having diabetes. That's, so that's the progress we've made uh, in dealing with that. Um, but yeah, you know, it was a, a very, very scary thing, you know, the big difference, of course, this time is uh, this virus is just, you know, so easy to catch. You know, you try and take as many precautions as you can. Um, I still go out and run. You can't really run with a mask. And, uh, you know, I'm very careful about social distancing when I'm running. If I'm coming down a street, um, I always go to the opposite side of the street, you know, um, but yeah, you know, there's still this debate. Droplets, yes, you can get infected. But yesterday I was reading something about aerosol. How, how much does the aerosol effect of breathing linger in the air? And they just don't know. And that's been some of the shocking things in reading about this virus is how little we've known, how little we knew about proper treatments you know, it wasn't too long ago that we were talking about anti-malarial drugs as a treatment, which turned out not to be a good treatment and actually could be harmful. Um, Drinking bleach I heard wasn't good for you either. <laughs> yeah, although I did hear the FDA approved, uh, I think, two Lysol sprays I read the other day for actually <laughs> no, spraying on. on things, not inhaling oh, in your okay. lungs. 
<laughs> Sorry, no fun there. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so uh, so I leave recently less, left my last employer, so I am uh, totally uh, hunkered down these days. Wow. And uh, sort of thankful for that. Um, you know, I'm, uh, my career has been in journalism. So, uh, funny thing about that is it started in high school and I had a guidance counselor say I should take some different electives. So one elective was electric, electrical shop. So I know how to change out a, uh, electrical socket. Sounds dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) you got to be careful. Yeah, shut off the power. And uh, then the other one was journalism. So I ended up being a managing editor on my uh, high school newspaper. Uh, Was fortunate to get into Northwestern University, which is a great journalism school. Um, Was campus editor of the daily newspaper there. And uh, I ended up in Florida, in Clearwater, Florida, the Clearwater Sun, because my guidance counselor, my, uh, yeah, my academic advisor's son was uh, employed there as news editor. So without ever getting uh, seen, uh, I arrived in Clearwater, Florida. I had one job offer when I graduated in 1980. It was a horrible economic time. Ooh. And uh, one job, it was either go to Florida and live in a beach town or move back in with mom and dad. So Mm. that wasn't a really hard choice. So I've been in Florida since uh, 1980. My first lesson about uh, the economics is journalism was at the Clearwater Sun where I worked for four years, got promoted like three times, was news editor. And uh, they put the paper up for sale, and I was enrolled at the University of South Florida to get a master's degree, an MBA, and they put the newspaper up for sale. And I knew we were doing bad. We were competing with the St. Pete Times, which was an awesome newspaper. And uh, I said, you know what, somebody's going to buy us because they're packaging us with a monopoly market newspaper. I need to get out of here. And uh, fortunately, I worked at the Sun Sentinel starting in 84. That's when I moved to South Florida. And that was a great time for journalism. That newspaper was growing like a weed. It was growing in quality. We were showing up in listings of uh, the nation's top newspapers from uh, a quality standpoint. The Sun Sentinel during its peak by itself was making $100 million a year in pre-tax profit. Uh, they they have a very vibrant printing operation up on Deerfield Beach, which is probably profitable. They they print uh, the Miami Herald last I heard and a bunch of other things. Yep. Um, it was 1,500 employees, uh, 300 people in the news desk in the news yep. operations. I was business editor and I had a staff of 17 people. Mm. Uh, last I heard they had two business journalists. Well, Marcia retired last year, or this year, actually. Yes, I talked to Marcia just the other day. She and I worked together. Yeah, she's great. Uh, She's awesome. She had an amazing career there, yeah. She She actually sent me a lovely note uh, because, you know, for 20 years, she, you know, reached out to me, and she said, thank you for always being there. It helps to have business people in the community that are responsive, and if you don't know the answer, you always point me in the right direction, and that that was really special for her to send me that note. If I yeah, and, uh, and knowing you for those years, I would totally concur with that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, very good source, Lenny. Yeah, source. Very good source. 
So, 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 there. so <laughs> you know, the thing is our audience may not know that the news media business is, what do you want to say? The apt way of describing how it's struggling. It's been struggling financially for a few decades now, but now with COVID, it's basically kept, kicked it over the cliff. And uh, we're hearing in April, the month of April alone, 36,000 journalists got let go. They probably oh. will not ever get their jobs back. Why don't you tell us a little bit? You're, you're in journalism during its heyday, and now you've seen it slowly decline. And now, I mean, what, what are your thoughts, Kevin? Yeah, so um, the thing about print was print ads were incredibly lucrative, especially things like at the Sun Sentinel classified advertising. They had the biggest classified section in the state. And uh, all those little bits of agate classified were incredible. And then something called Craigslist came around. So what we've seen is creative destruction. And we've also seen a change in how people get their news, you know, increasingly digital. Uh, at the Sun Sentinel, we used to have all these local sections. Uh, I think I get one once a week now. It's a whole bunch of cities, but now there's this thing called next door. So it's hyper local and I'm seeing things about lost dogs and people looking for plumbers <laughs> and, you know, Facebook uh, gives you news. Uh, I was a Facebook shareholder until recently, and given the recent controversy, I sold my shares. Uh, was somewhat uncomfortable with all that. We'll see how they address it. But Twitter today, uh, Twitter was up today, by the way. Oh, well. Um, yeah, so, you, you know, it's, and so, digital is just not quite as lucrative as print, as print ads. So no, it's not. So even the uh, new media outlets like BuzzFeed and Vice, they had to undergo lots of layoffs as well. So there's just been a lot of uh, money lost to the, now the two largest media companies now are Facebook and Google. That's where the ad spend is taking place. So it's really hard to compete with them because it's, it's so much easier to create an ad on Google, put in your credit card number, hit send. You don't even have to call a salesperson. You just do it yourself. Well, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The tragedy in all this, I think, is that um, fewer people are consuming news from daily newspapers, uh, sources. I, I don't know how the business journal is doing. I was editor there for 15 years. They, we went heavily digital towards the end of my time there, and we were getting a million page views a month. Um, so we made that transition there, but I'm really concerned that People are just getting their news from, you know, if you're a liberal, a liberal source, if you're conservative, a conservative source. And, you know, I still believe in the old fashioned trying to be objective and neutral and balanced, but there's just so much spin going on. Um, and, and, and misinformation and conspiracy theories floating around. I mean, there's the 5G conspiracy theory. There's the Bill Gates one that he's the one who started coronavirus and, and people eat this up and they, they unfortunately believe it. And I think that's part of, I think that's a huge problem. Huge. The fake news media is not the journalists. It's the actual conspiracy theorist. 
Yeah, and it's very easy to fuel these things these days. And so now we're at the point where these social media companies are really being, uh, you know, their feeder in the fire, like whatever the cliche is there. Um, but it's, it's very, very concerning. Um, you know, I, I, it's uh, very sad. So we're going to maybe switch gears a little bit. There's two things I kind of want to understand. Uh, so now that you're not, uh, you're, you, you don't have your uh, fingers on the um, Olivetti uh, uh, typewriter doing, uh, you know, editing work. Uh, with whiteout, I guess is how you did that, or maybe with the whiteout pen. Um, but uh, seriously, I know uh, from chatting with you, you found a, uh, or you're actually spending more time with your hobbies. Uh, and I think there's a green thumb involved in that. And then, you know, you, you right out of the gate here talked about, you know, um, being gay and, and, and having, um, you know, some of the, the issues that may, may be associated with that and in business. And one of our goals on this podcast is to not just tackle necessarily, but expose uncomfortable conversations. So we can talk about gardening because I'd love to do that because I'm, I'm big and we, you know, I think we share a love of bromeliads and uh, uh, some other plants that, that I know that you're growing. Um, so I don't know which, which one of those little roads you want to go down, uh, but you're the guest today, so... All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about gardening. So I have a very elaborate yard. I was, uh, uh, my, me and my partner were members of the Bromeliad Society for, I don't know, five years or so until I got to the point where people would get excited about a new Bromeliad and I'd look at it and it's like, okay, I guess there's a subtle difference here, but it looks sort of like the other one. And uh, I have I filled up my yard. Of course, I'm always taking some things out and putting new things in, but uh, a lot of, uh, lot of bromeliads, a uh, lot of uh, orchids, uh, tea plants. Something I've been working on the last few years is uh, trying to create an urban food garden. Um, there's an author called David the Good. I don't know if you read some of his books, um, but you know, it gets with the whole sustainability movement uh, growing local and what could be more local than your own yard. Yep. So um, I've got a growing collection collection of uh, tropical uh, fruit plants, a um, couple of avocado trees, uh, mango tree, which I think I just got the last mango out of, uh, mulberry uh, bush, uh, star fruit. Do you ring around the mulberry bush? Do you guys actually? <laughs> I, I, I run around it when the iguanas are on there and try to chase them <laughs> off. So, you know, that's my big nemesis these days. And who's the monkey and who's the weasel? Sorry, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's my uh, nemesis of the, uh, the uh, iguanas. So I'm always trying to put netting on things, keep them from eating things. Uh, I had this plant uh, that's sort of like a spinach and I put a net over it, wildlife netting, and then the iguanas used to be afraid to climb it. Well, now the iguanas are smart and they'll climb it. The stuff grows out of it and they just eat it. So oh. I have to find out a, uh, a new strategy there. They say um, chili. I think chili powder. Chili powder. Okay. Well, let's try that, that one. Yeah. yeah I'm, uh, when I say that, I, I mean, a, you, 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 you get rid of the iguana, then you, you know, clean the meat, and then you season it with chili. <laughs> I keep trying to talk my other half into 
eating iguana and I can't quite get him there. But uh, you can sell I, I, it. I'm, you can sell yeah. them. Up. Yeah, I have some big ones here, so they, they would probably do pretty well. <laughs> um, yeah, so my latest little endeavor is uh, I, uh, we bought an R-Pod travel trailer uh, earlier this year. And uh, interesting uh, encounter with uh, government bureaucracy is I wanted to move the double gate forward where I used to have a boat closer to the street and uh, they said yes and then I got tried to get a permit and they said no there's an easement so that was a little fun and wasted a lot of time and energy but I'm proud to say last night I completed my little side yard project and my RPOD is now beside behind a double gate and it's sort of like a uh, man cave it's got <laughs> a slide out it's 20 feet long um, I put in a, uh, a I think about a 32 inch TV and it's got like a little kitchen and a fridge and everything. So I now have a man cave in my side yard and it's got power and AC and all that. Um, at some point, you know, it's, it's hard to get motivated to travel anywhere, even if you, you know, some people see RVing as safe, but um, boy, it's just, you can't, it's tough to dine out. Um, dined out in a place in Miami Dade last week and I, I heard that they are considering closing down indoor dining again. So, yeah, yeah. but uh, I'm, I'm fortunate, uh, sort of the gay segue maybe, is I uh, bought this house in 1992 in the Middle River in Wilt Manors. Mm. It was a HUD foreclosure and it's on the Middle River. So I really enjoy being on the water. It's a tidal river and uh, it's amazing the amount of nature you can have in an urban environment like this. We have a lot of aquatic birds, herons, Muscovy ducks, of course, native birds, little birds with red beaks. I can't remember what they are, but they make shrieking noises. Oh, wow. And uh, there's fish in the river. My partner saw a three-foot fish last night in the river. Wow. We get mullet coming through. We've had manatees come through. And Wilt Manors is an interesting city. Uh, it, it, it's known for having a heavily gay population, but when we moved here in 92, it was really a struggling blue collar town. Yeah. Um, so here's, here's a controversy maybe I could ignite is, what do you think that Manners and Wilt Manors means? Um, I don't know, sounds like someplace where a slave owner would live. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty close. My understanding is the history meant that implied no blacks wanted or allowed. So I haven't heard this yet, but I would like to see the city rename itself the Island City or just yeah. Island City, Florida, which right. is the city's nickname. Um, plantation is currently, I think they're looking at renaming the schools there. And I remember having a job candidate down here once years ago and you know, stupid white guy that I was taking her through plantation and she sees the name of the city and she gets like a horrified look on her face. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, the whole recent situation, uh, Black Lives Matter, which I finally got my Black Lives Matter hat, baseball cap in the mail the other day. Yay. Um, it's, it's interesting from my perspective of somebody who's experienced discrimination the, the huge difference is if you're gay and you're not overly flamboyant, 
you can, people don't usually know right away. So I've had a lot of people like, oh, I have no idea you were gay. You know, the color of your skin is not something you can hide. And, and I felt like I've been very informed, informed by this movement and just listening to your last podcast and hearing these anecdotes over and over and over again of how black people have basically been abused. And, uh, you know, it's about time that this issue received, um, you know, the, the attention that it's getting. Lately. So maybe George Floyd is the Stonewall, right? Yeah, I think you could say that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you uh, ever watched the whole video account of that. Uh, oh, the New York Times yes. had a TikTok on that. Yeah, it was awful watching. Utterly that. horrifying. Yeah. People yelling, stop, you're killing him. And just the, the lack of empathy at all is just absolutely horrifying. Yeah. Um, so and we need lack, change, there's no doubt. Also, and the lack of accountability, that this has gone on over and over again, and no, people get away with it. Um, you know, and, and it is interesting because empathy is the word that keeps coming up in these podcasts. And when, when we're challenged by, and, 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 you know, in our workplace, and Andrew had a really good discussion around that with, with Denise, but, you know, how far do you go and push coworkers um, to, to hear at least another perspective beside the one that's in their bubble? And, um, and so, you know, so being gay, uh, gives you empathy for, you know, for, for the Black Lives Matter movement, because you know what it's like, uh, you know, Jews are supposedly, we own persecution because we're the original persecuted, right? And chased from the desert. Right. right. So, but this is, this is, you know, I, I, I think that's all been made peace with, not that there's not still uh, anti-Semitism in the world. And I think the LGBT community has done a very good job in unifying uh, their voice. I, I think you knew this. I, I, I um, participated in the Smart Ride for three years. And uh, what's um, the Smart Ride, oh, that's Lenny? Awesome. Yeah. And so I was a member of the Pride Pack. Okay. Um, there were three of us um, straight people on the Pride Pack, and they called us the Breeders because they love to, you know. <laughs> but but in other words, the, the the point there is until we embed ourselves and stand side by side with our brothers and sisters, regardless of race, creed, color, sexual orientation, um, we're, we're part of the problem and not part of the solution. And so in the same sense, having been through that experience and just freaking enjoyed the hell out of, uh, you know, you do 105 miles first day, 60 miles the second day. And then when you ride in Key West, there's a parade through all through the streets of, of Key West. And it's just freaking awesome. It, it's just, it is so much fun and it's colorful and it's, it's gay and fun and just, you know, had a blast. And in the same way, what Andrew said about wanting to be part of the dialogue, you know, we really want to take some of these uncomfortable topics and, and allow, if, if, if we start the dialogue, we learn, right? So you teach us. And then for us to then take that teaching, that learning, and then teach. And so that's, that's, this is what this podcast has turned into. And so, you know, so we appreciate your perspective uh, certainly. And um, I don't know, anything else 
because we like to go deep. You know, we don't like to just touch the surface. That's the other thing. You know, what, what's like some of the things that, you know, maybe you would even be uncomfortable talking with us about, but it's like, you know, that one time, damn it, that just really hurt my feelings when somebody said this, but I bit my tongue. I don't know. I don't want to expose you to, you know, bring back uh, any, any kind of trauma, but I don't know if you want to go a little deeper. We're, we're, we're cool. Well, I remember one time a long time ago, you know, somebody, a coworker, uh, made a, a remark about, um, you know, I, I, I don't know it was even the specifics of it, but it basically it's like, oh, you did this seemingly gay thing. You must be okay with your masculinity. And it was obviously somebody who didn't know I was gay. I don't think I was out at the time. And, and that's, that's, again, sort of the difference is a lot of times if you're gay, you, you know, and your casual reactions with people, people don't know. Right. So it's, it's totally different. I think the real frontier right now, and I think even a lot of gay people have struggled with this, is uh, bisexuals and transgender people. Um, there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of gay people who just say, oh, bisexual, you know, they're gay. You know, well, I don't agree with that. I think there's people out there who it's more about the person rather than their body parts. And I think that's okay. Uh, people should be comfortable with that. Um, you know, I, I personally, um, you know, wasn't that much aware of the transgender situation until the last few years when it's really come to the forefront and uh, you know I, th I think the issue of being transgender is sort of like where the issue of being gay was you know mm -hmm. I don't know a decade ago or whatever so I think uh, you know you have to have empathy you have again there's that word you have to listen and you shouldn't like knee-jerk and just discount other people's experiences and feelings, you know, so even that, if initially you don't agree with them. Right. So that brings me to that whole restroom issue, right? That was, you know, all the, you know, rage for a while. And I don't know where that ended up. It seemed to have gotten lost in, I guess, bigger problems, if you will. Uh, but that was certainly an interesting uh, period when, you know, we were going through, okay, gender specific, you know, how do you, it's, it's well, I actually had, uh, and I don't mean to be flip, but I, my answer was actually we need a redesign of how we, of bathrooms. There should be one area where everybody can wash their hands and all that. That can be, you know, and then you have just private stalls. And, you know, I, 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 I thought, hey, being in the bathroom remodeling business might be one way to, to solve this, you know, gender neutral, you know, single bathrooms, um, a little more secure than a stall. Yeah, maybe we'll get um, Bill Feinberg to come up with like a really sexy one, right? Bill could do that. I'm sure he could. He's, he's, his company is very talented. They are very talented. We'll also um, need a room specifically for unicorns. Yes. <laughs> I even remember when like breastfeeding start, first started, I first like dumb guy that I am, you know, don't date women, obviously. And some of my coworkers were, you know, trying to pump milk at work. And I had never thought about that. And then it's like, you start to hear of an issue like that. And it's like, yeah, you, they should have 
a room, not the restroom, where they can go and do that in privacy. Um, I don't hear much about that lately anymore. I don't know if that's still a big issue or not. I actually was in an office the other day and I saw a sign on a door, lactating room. Good. Yep. Really? Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah, yeah, you know, no, the, 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 go ahead. The, the, you know, if you're going to succeed, if you're going to be a good leader, you need a lot of diversity and you don't want to have a lot of yes men around. And I think we can think of one big leader where that's totally an issue that this leader only wants yes men who will agree with him. He I'll let you guys some, figure out who I'm talking about. Yes, ladies, too, by the way. Yes. Okay. Yes, of course. <laughs> I was reading an article the other day uh, about how hiring yes men and yes women is actually counterproductive to your business and your bottom line because no one will ever speak up and have good ideas that could actually make revenue or save revenue. And uh, that's interesting that you bring up the yes person thing. And it's actually bad for your career as an employee and as an, a business owner. And uh, I think also as a politician that wants to run a country that way, uh, diversity is important. So we need to hear different voices and listen to them. Kevin, any pearls of wisdom you'd like to share with our audience before we wrap up here? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking the other day there, years ago, there was some book came out that uh, was called Who Moved My Cheese? I think I yes. got the title right. And it just seems... It seems like that's the era we're in. And I think you gotta, if you're gonna succeed in the world anymore, you really gotta study what's happening in the world and what's different, you know? Um, even when it comes to like investing, which I'm spending a lot of time uh, monitoring my investments, um, you know, what are the new revolutionary companies that are making a difference? Right. Um, you know, if you're, you know, there's certain things you probably don't want to invest in anymore because there isn't much of a future in it. Like commercial real estate, for instance? I, I think there'll be still commercial real estate. Um, it, that's an interesting one because I think, yes, a lot of people are going virtual, but a lot of companies also are going to need more space to do social distancing. This whole open office concept is I think being really thrown for a loop, you know, you got to have barriers and all that sort of thing. It's almost like the old cubicles uh, with high walls should be walls. coming back. <laughs> wow. So listen, Kevin, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's great to catch up with you. Thank you so much for your candid conversation, uh, your interesting perspective and sharing some of your experiences. Uh, we, we love having guests, uh, come back around as new things come up and things in your life change. Maybe you'll share with us the first time you get your, your camper out on the road and let us know how that went. Uh, we'd love to hear about that. Um, I, I, when things are safer, I'd like to come down. Never seen a mulberry bush. Uh, but uh, when the carambolas are ripe, I would, uh, I would like to reserve a carambola or, uh, or two if that's possible. Um, yeah, and I want to see your garden as well, because you and I have talked before and you do some very creative things. I, I, the I one that stuck in my mind was taking the uh, bottom of the celery, I think, and planting it yes. and it sprouts again. Yep, the celery. I do that with the romaine lettuce. I do that with the scallions. You basically buy a vegetable once and then they're, off they go. So Kevin, Gail, thank you so much for being our guest. Hand it back to my co-host and producer, Andrea.
Thank you, Kevin, so much for being here. And thank you to the audience for listening to the 11th episode of The New Normal. And here we are. We're signing off. Have a great rest of the week.